JK, JK. Couldn't stay away. Couldn't keep us away if you tried. We're doing another bonus episode because it turns out we only did half the job last time. Thank you so much for banana bread. <laughs> uh, B, actually, is their name? Her name. Banana bread. <laughs> I just saw the Discord name at first and I was like, hey, banana bread. Thanks, banana bread. You know that, um, that Gordon Ramsay meme that's like, hey, panini head. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah. felt like that to me. Yeah, thank you so much, B, <laughs> aka banana bread. Um, for pointing out to us that there's a difference between the New Moon deleted scenes, which are what we read last time, and the New Moon extras, which we read for this time. What I wish Mm -hmm. is that she took a second and didn't write things, and this wouldn't be what I would do. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't do this. I would do this too if I were an author who, like, had to see people react to my work, but it just, every time she writes something that is meant to prove a point, to people mm. that have read her book and interpreted it a different way. Yeah. Or, like, come away with something else from it. Like, and she writes in response to that. Yeah, she does, It feels she? so weird. I guess to be more specific, what I'm talking about here is there's a section we read for today that's, like, from Jacob's point of view, and she wrote this, like, extremely interesting little thing that we I would love to read. Like, on, out loud? On the podcast, All yeah. 16 pages. No, 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 no. I meant the, like, of... pre-thing that oh. she wrote that's on the website page. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like a paragraph. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. We're on the same page. Um, yeah. <laughs> she wrote this thing that was, like, I wrote this because people read New Moon and they were, like, I don't like Jacob. And I was, like, okay. And so she wrote this thing and it's supposed to, like, serve this function of, like, making Jacob seem more justified in the way that he acts in the end of New Moon. It doesn't work. It doesn't do anything for me, really. Like, it doesn't really introduce any new, like, information or motivation. It It just tries to, like, appeal to your heartstrings a little bit, which, like... It's so funny. <laughs> it's just weird. Anyway, so but weird. yeah. Anyway, I'm sure for people that that do um, like on a base level on like a normal day enjoy the Jacob and Bella relationship, yeah. like beyond just their friendship, which I do appreciate. Mm-hmm. I think like this is probably something really valuable for them. Maybe, sure, maybe. I bet there's. Let us know. I, I bet there's fan fiction that feels way more valuable than this. In yeah, particular. yeah. It's not. I mean, it's validating. Exceptionally well written. It's probably not edited. No. No, it's definitely not edited because I saw typos. I did too, yeah. But anyway, so we read three things. We read three things. So what's interesting about this is that these are not, these were never part of the manuscript. These are are basically just her own, the little extras that she wanted to write about the story, like also like directly in response to like fan interaction, which is Mm -hmm. really interesting. I imagine she is no longer reading stuff about what people are saying about her work. I just think it's so funny that there's these three things and then... One of them is from Edward's perspective, and one of them is from Jacob's perspective. And one and from then, Rosalie's. And one from Rosalie, which is also deeply interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just burnt my tongue. Oh, is it hot? Yeah. I, like, let it cool off. It's really good, though. We're having some tea? Oh, yeah. Should we do a tea check-in? Oh, I yeah. Like we did this once. We did this once? I think we did a drink swap, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there milk in yours? No. 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 It's just... We... It's hot, but here in the in Maine, we have a... It's just in Maine? And there's a couple locations in New Hampshire and Massachusetts, and there's actually one that's going to be built in Florida. Oh. It's Aroma Joe's. It's Aroma Joe's. <laughs> Ooh, this smells good. So does this. Mmm. Mm. Oh, yeah. It is, it's kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they actually just revamped their tea line. It's really good. Um, so Sam got a chai, and it's totally different from their old chai. Is, I think yeah. I, if I'm... 
if I'm correct, I think that they used to use Oregon chai, which is kind of like the popular chai mix that you can get at like Starbucks and mm. most other places that serve chai just from like a store-bought thing. You can also buy it at like any grocery store. Mm. And they just got new tea that's like their own blends. So it's new. Mm. Um, and this is with almond milk. Yeah. And mine is just mint tea with uh, Is there sweetener sugar. in it? Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's good. It's good. God, it's hot. <laughs> Why did I do it again? <laughs> it's, not bur- it's not hot enough to burn my tongue, but I feel like I have a pretty high I have heat a tolerance. sensitive. Yeah. I like, I let my stuff cool down quite a bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is about me, but I just can't. Like people will be like, oh yeah, it's cooled down enough. And I'm like... I think I'm just an Aries and I've persevered, pushed through so many times and now my, my heat tolerance is sure. higher. That's probably like scar like tissue on my tongue. Like when chefs like burn their finger top, tip, finger tops. Finger tops? <laughs> <laughs> Fingertips to the point that like they can just like pick things up off the stove. Oh yeah, yeah. Or they like literally fucking touch the boiling water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do that, but not because it doesn't hurt, just because I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say scar tissue on my tongue? Is that like a thing? Actually, I don't know. I don't really know what tongue is made of. Like, it's, like, not skin. It's not really, like, exposed flesh. It's, like, muscle, right? It is muscle. But, like, the rest of our muscles are not like this. No, can you imagine if the rest of your muscles in your body could had taste buds? Oh, what if they did? (laughs) How would we know? Well, I think we would taste things. Maybe we're tasting it all the time. We just don't know. We just don't know. Fuck. (laughs) We are sober. I'm sober. I'm sober. Well... (laughs) I'm, this is not gender forking after dark, is what I'm trying to say. I'm mostly sober right now. Great. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I was literally, that was such a beautiful thing to talk about that I'm like, do we have to talk about these? Which, like, I don't hate them. Okay, but, like. I think, I think I'm interested by them. I'm interested the best by them, to too. How I feel. I'm interested. But. Lori and I already discussed this before we started recording, but, like, the, the Jacob one in particular was, like, really hard to read. And, in yeah. fact, we did everything in our power to physically not read it. Yeah. I think I think, like, what I was doing was, like, trying to take it in without really diving, like, sure. letting my brain digest it because yeah, it was so I was, unpleasant. I was reading it like you might read a passage on, like, a standardized test. Sure. Like... <laughs> Yeah, this is the SAT. <laughs> yeah. This is the New Moon SAT. The first section, there's two really short ones. Rosalie's news is from Edward's perspective. Wow, can't believe we get more of Edward's perspective. I'm positive, 100% positive I've never read these also. Yeah, I don't know that I have either. I think I would have held on to some of this mm-hmm. information. Obviously, like, we've gotten to a point where we feel so much ownership over the story that, like, I just disagree <laughs> fundamentally sometimes yeah. when Stephanie says things. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm that's like, wrong. no, you're wrong. Like, yeah. it's incorrect. Yeah. Were you thinking of me in particular? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, so the scene opens with Edward's phone run- ringing for the 25th time in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And he says he's not sure where he is. He's in some dark attic crawl space full of rats and spiders. Sylvia Plath vibes. Yeah. The spiders ignored me and the rats gave me a wide berth. The air was thick with the heavy scents of cooking oil, rancid meat, human sweat, and the nearly solid layer of pollution that was almost visible in the humid air like a black film over everything below me, four stories of a rickety ghetto tenement teemed with life. I didn't bother to separate the thoughts from the voices. They made a big loud Spanish clamor. That I didn't listen to. Spanish? I have so many problems with this, just this opening. Yeah, this is a a section where Rosalie calls Edward to tell him that Bella's dead, essentially. That's what happens. It's funny because I just (laughs) read this like an hour ago and I'm already like, I've never read this before. Yeah, yeah. So here we go. (laughs) Problem number one. Yeah. If you wanted to be not reachable and you told everyone in your family 
don't even try to contact me. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. How many times would they have to call you before you picked up and thought there was something serious going on? <laughs> Just a thought experiment. Yeah. Um, if I miss one call from my family, I feel insanely guilty. Yeah. And Edward, who is usually racked with guilt, seems to be feeling no remorse about it whatsoever. If my mom called me twice, someone's dead. Yeah. That is my first thought. Yeah. And it feels like it should be Edward's, too. Like, mm-hmm. there's something going on that needs my attention. Mm-hmm. The only explanation I can think of is that, like, they must have historically been trying to get in contact with him a lot. Yeah. For this to not raise any red flags for him. Right. So he's supposed to be in Brazil at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Spanish? Spanish is not. I think Stephanie Meyer thinks that they speak Spanish I in Brazil. I also think so. And, you know, I bet yep. she learned that they didn't when they filmed Breaking Dawn. I mean, there is that one little moment in Breaking Dawn where the housekeeper says a word and Bella's like, I knew Spanish for that one, even though the word itself, like, I think maybe is in Portuguese. Yeah. I'm looking up how many people speak Spanish in Brazil, because I'm sure there's a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. sure there's a lot. It wouldn't be, like, what you would expect Edward to say. Yes. And I feel like, yeah, Edward would know. Wow. You would think it would be fairly prevalent, but... It's only 4% of the population. Population's pretty big, though. I'm getting a lot of mixed reviews. I'm getting one that says half a million people, and I'm getting one that says 8 million people. <laughs> it's a huge difference. <laughs> anyway, we know that it's not. Yeah. <laughs> we know that it's not the, like, if, if Stephanie Meyer's trying to establish setting here, mm-hmm. it's not going very well for her. Yeah. Edward would know what language they spoke in Brazil. Because they have a connection to Brazil, Isle Asme. Because he probably speaks Portuguese. He probably speaks Portuguese. He probably speaks Spanish. Yep. He probably speaks everything. My other thing, mm-hmm. I don't believe that he would just decide to live in someone's attic. <laughs> yeah, is that what's happening? Like, where the fuck is he? It doesn't sound like he, like, rented this space. He's in an attic crawl space. Yeah. He obviously, like... Why? What is... <laughs> wrong with him i this is not explained at all i just don't buy that mr i can't put up with bella's slow driving truck would be okay existing in that kind of space even if he's in the worst mental state of his life when i'm in the worst mental state of my life Mm -hmm. and of course this is different for everyone it's not different for edward though i've decided (laughs) i need to be in absolute luxury yeah (laughs) absolute luxury i think edward thinks that he is garbage and belongs with the rats and I the spiders. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. Yeah, I think, but I think maybe that is the explanation. Sure. I don't, I don't buy it either. Yeah. It's also just like, it just, why would he need to do that? Like, I, like, it's not even the most convenient thing for him to like hide somewhere. If he was gonna, you know? yeah, if he was gonna hide away somewhere that he felt like garbage, why don't you go sit in a dump? Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you go to the dump? Mm-hmm. I feel like the easiest thing for him to do would be to, like, get his own place. I feel like that is easier than, like, sneaking around in some... Can you imagine if Edward Cullen was living in your crawl space? It could happen to you. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) I just think, like, even, you know, in his worst frame of mind, he's getting an Airbnb, a Verbo, (laughs) a vacation rental. He's couch surfing. He's couch surfing. (laughs) Yeah, he's couch surfing in your crawl space. Um... Yeah, I just don't, I don't believe him. I don't believe that this would be what he did. No. So he's having a bad time. Sure. He says his whole world is meaningless. Yeah. He's literally curled up against himself. He's wondering what he alludes to at the end of New Moon, which is maybe I should just go back to Bella and like 
beg her to take me back. And it is, even just thinking about it, Mm -hmm. fills him with, like, this encompassing relief that he can't even believe it. Mm -hmm. But he thinks that the pain of stopping Bella from living a life free of monsters is better even than that relief Mm -hmm. that he would feel. Mm -hmm. He says, when she left this world... She would go to a place that was forever barred to me, no matter how I conducted myself here. The idea of that final separation was so much more intense than the pain I already had. My body shook with it. When Bella went on to the place where she belonged, and I never could, (laughs) I would not linger here behind. There must be oblivion. There must be relief. The Mormonism just jumped out there. The place where she belonged... Is it? I feel like, as a non-religious person, I feel like it's kind of fucked up to say that people like belong, belong in heaven. Yeah, yeah, in a place where they're dead. Yes, that's it a is. little yeah. interesting to say. Yeah, Edward. It's interesting too that she like that Stephanie's pretty vague here because it's like obviously like Edward and Stephanie Meyer don't share the same religious background, so yeah. she's just alluding to this like life after death kind of place. There's a, a super super heavy focus in all Christianity on like heaven like equivalent. And for Mormons, it's very distinct what that looks like and, like, what you have to do to get there Mm -hmm. from the vast majority of the rest of Christianity that has, like, some major differences, but, like, a generally, like, agreed upon, like, this is how you do it kind of thing. It's just interesting. Every time she talks about heaven, I'm like... And what does that mean for you? Right. He says, that was my hope, but there were no guarantees. And then he quotes Hamlet with, to sleep, perchance to dream, aye, there's the rub. Even when I was Ash, would I somehow still feel the torture of her loss? And then he says something interesting. There was a couple parts throughout all of this, throughout every, Mm -hmm. actually every single extra had something in it that I was like, this is completely new to me. As like a, I didn't know this character felt this way. Mm -hmm. He says, the idea of returning to the cloudy little town that would always be my true home on this planet snaked through my thoughts again. I didn't realize that he felt so emotionally tied to Forks. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that was really interesting to hear. It's like, is it because of the life that he created there while he knew Bella? Or is there something else that tethers him? Yeah, he never talks about liking it or not in Midnight Sun. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So to sleep, to perchance to dream is, in the longer form, is to die, to sleep, perchance to dream. There's the rub for in the sleep of death, what dreams may come, which is Hamlet saying, maybe I should just be dead Mm -hmm. rather than facing all of the shit that's going on in my life. What stops him from that is that he's afraid that if he does die, what if he still is haunted in his dreams by like the troubles that he had on earth and he can't actually do anything about them there? Mm. It's from the to be or not to be. So true. It's like like, the whole soliloquy starts with the to be or not to be. Ah, right. He gets another call and he looks at it and he's like actually shocked Mm -hmm. that it's Rosalie. Yeah. There must be something truly wrong if she needed to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And he's like suddenly worried for the family. As soon as she answers... Her defensiveness gets the better of her and she And so does his. He answers, what? (laughs) And she says, oh, wow. Edward answered the phone. I feel so honored. He says, as soon as he heard her tone, he figures that the family must be fine. And she's just bored. Yeah. And they kind of have like mm, quite quite a conversation. And eventually she reveals that Alice is in Forks. He's very upset about this because Alice has sworn that she would, quote unquote, follow my lead Mm -hmm. in regards to Bella. And then Edward in his classic violence violence says, I wanted to wring her skinny neck. Not that Jasper would let me get that close to her once he caught a whiff of the fury blowing out of me. It's not a normal thing to feel about your sister. It's also funny that he describes Jasper's power as working through scent. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, "Mm." Mm, rage. (laughs) 
smells like uh, depression. <laughs> <laughs> that spice of hatred. So he's like kind of wondering if Alice has like ruined his plans or whatever. He doesn't care to ask why Alice is even there. Yeah, but he this starts so immediately getting excited because yeah. he's like, well, if Alice went back, then I can go back and it's going to be fine. I have to explain, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. And he says, no doubt I would have to grovel if I were to return, but I didn't mind. I would spend the next decade on my knees if I were with her. Pause. <laughs> and he better and he won't and he won't he eventually seems to think that bella has left forks and that is why alice is there and he um, automatically assumes that she's moved back to florida but before anything else happens rosalie tells edward she thinks he should come home she says i'm tired of esme grieving and carlisle never laughing you should feel ashamed at what you've done to them emmett misses you all the time and it's getting on my nerves you have a family grow up and think about something besides yourself he says in response to that interesting advice rosalie let me tell you a little story about a pot and a kettle first of all it's like why would that apply to her it doesn't apply to her she's never doesn't. done anything to hurt her family literally never she's like, never done anything like this ever she's never left them no and he's done it twice mm-hmm. she says i am thinking about them unlike you don't you you care how much you've hurt Esme if no one else. She loves you more than the rest of us and you know that. Come home. He realizes that Bella hasn't moved. Has not left? Yeah. So to speak but is um, presumably, presumably dead. dead. Yeah. Or is dead is the yeah. way that it's presented to him. Rosalie doesn't like say it. I think this is interesting because we wondered like how this conversation went and why she called. Yeah. And I guess this is the closest we'll get to a canon even though I don't really want to accept it. But she says, they didn't want to tell you but I think that's stupid. The quicker you get over this the sooner things can go back to normal. Why let you mope around the dark corners of the world when there's no need for it? You can come home now. We can be a family again. It's over. And he doesn't understand. And then she's like, I think you have the right to know that Bella threw herself off a cliff two days ago. Yep. He immediately powers the phone off, like cutting Rosalie off and doesn't hear any of the rest of whatever she had to say. And then this is when he just immediately calls Bella's house. Mm-hmm. And dumbass Jacob Black <laughs> picks up and says that Charlie's not there. He's at the funeral. And he does imitate Carlisle's voice. Yes. Which... We knew. We knew. <laughs> it doesn't talk about how he responds. Yeah. It just says, I shut the phone again. And yeah. that's the end. Let's say, what if it was in the book? What if it was? Yeah. Randomly as like a POV. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> I can't imagine if we had a New Moon version of, if we had like Edward's version of New Moon. Like a Midnight Sun Bunny Moon. You know how Bella has like October, November, December, blah, blah, blah. It would be like... October, November, December, January, February. <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> oh, that's so uh, good. That'd be really good. Oh my god, put that on an archive of our own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As like prank fan fiction. Yeah. Um, which is a great segue into the next piece. Yes. So. I can't believe this. I'm going to read the intro Please. to this. So it says. Funny story, I actually wrote this piece as a practical joke. I read about the Twilight fanfiction site's Take a Walk in My Shoes contest, and I mentioned to Alfie of Lexicon fame that maybe I would enter something just joking around. She told me it would never work. Peli Roja? This is, like, so funny because it's like, who are these, these internet people? people? Yeah. Would spot my entry in a second. I bet that Pell wouldn't catch me, and Alfie bet that she would. So I wrote this little portion of New Moon from Rosalie's point of view. It was quite an interesting experience being in Rosalie's head and sent it off giggling to myself. In the end, the joke was on me. My entry was lost in cyberspace and Pell never saw it. So I guess Alfie and I will never have a resolution to our bet unless Twilight Fanfiction has another contest. Here's my failed joke, the phone call between Alice and Rosalie in chapter 18 of New Moon. 
So she wrote this as fan fiction of her own work yep. for a like Twilight fan fiction contest being like, haha, isn't it wouldn't it be funny if I entered like something for my own book. But then the idea that it was lost, quote unquote, lost in cyberspace and never seen. How does something get simply lost in cyberspace and when it was like guess, probably 2007? Yeah, I guess <laughs> what I imagine happened is she thought she submitted it and she probably just didn't. So it was never actually submitted to the contest. I don't know how she would discover that. I don't know either. Unless like it came out like a long time after, but it's like clearly she had like some sort of file saved. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's a little interesting. <laughs> yeah. And um I do find it cringe that that is the story. Right. I'm trying to like distance myself from my feelings for Stephanie Meyer and think about like what would it be funny if someone else did this? <laughs> and you Litmus know test. I don't really have idols who are authors mm. anymore. I've been so thoroughly disappointed by everyone mm-hmm. that I've ever cared about who writes. Would it be funny if Jane Austen <laughs> submitted fan fiction <laughs> only of her own work? Of. Yeah, it's literally the only person. What about, okay, how about if Casey McQuinston yeah. wrote fan fiction about <laughs> one of their characters? I think it would be funny. I think it would be good, but it would also be explicitly queer. Yeah. And socially responsible. Yeah. It wouldn't be this. It wouldn't be this. Spiteful perspective of Rosalie. I think that Stephanie views this as a redeeming story of, of Rosalie. Yeah, like, she does. Yeah. She, I think that she thinks that this complicates her um, I think it does. Motivations. And it does. But I almost wish we would have gotten the phone call with Edward from Rosalie's perspective. Yeah, Because her motivations are to get Edward to come home. Mm-hmm. And the way that she delivers that news and, like, speaks to him feels almost like it wouldn't serve that purpose. Mm-hmm. Stephanie doesn't explicitly say whether she thinks that these two extras can exist in the same canon, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's not like these were written in response to each other necessarily. No. Like, I think they the, the first one informs the second, mm-hmm. but it's not like these were meant to both be... In a body of work together. In a body of work together, so they, they might just be a little bit different. I mean, I think that Edward's perspective of Rosalie is, like, always skewed, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, we can only take her words at face value from his perspective. Yeah. And not, like, the, his interpretation of her. So this little section, is this four-page extra is called Miscalculation. It's Rosalie's perspective. She's already called Edward. And this is Rosalie's conversation with Alice over the phone after Alice has had the vision of Edward going to Italy. She is, it seems like she is, where I think she's in Alaska with the Denali. Mm-hmm clan um and i think she's waiting for emmett or carlisle or someone to return because people are out hunting and this is a fun passage that it opened up with this is like the third sentence i flipped my hair over my shoulder sneaking a peek through the tall windows into the forest the day was dim overcast my own reflection was brighter than the trees and the clouds i stared at my wide startled eyes my lips curling down at the corners the little vertical crease between my brows I scowled, erasing the expression of guilt with one of scorn. Attractive scorn. Absently, I noted how the fierce expression suited my face, contrasting nicely with the benign gold of my thick curls. Stephanie... Interesting. (laughs) Stephanie, throughout this whole section, there's a lot of, like, Rosalie reflecting on her own beauty. Can I read you what that reminded me of? Sure. Let me know if this rings a bell. Hi, my name is Ebony Darkness, Dementia (laughs) Raven Way, and I have long ebony black hair with purple streaks and red tips that reaches my mid-back and icy blue eyes like limpid tears, and a lot of people... (laughs) (laughs) jump scare my immortal (laughs) no 
No, you're so right. I don't think these pieces are exceptionally well written. And by exceptionally well written, I mean, I don't think these pieces are written well at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. It's very telling to me that, like, Stephanie, for the first time and only time, writes from Rosalie's perspective and immediately is, like, having Rosalie describe her own pers- her own appearance. A character that, who's going to read the new, new Moon Outtakes without knowing what Stephanie looks, or, sorry, without knowing <laughs> what Rosalie looks yeah. like? Like, this is unnecessary. It's so and it's, funny. It's like, you didn't have to do this. We all know what she looks like. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't have to hear about Edward's thoughts on what he looked like. He didn't, like, look out in into the, didn't see his reflection in the eyes of a rat and go, my <laughs> copper coiled hair, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> It contrasted with the deep feelings of sorrow I was feeling in my heart. <laughs> Reflection in the rat's eyes. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else that he would be near no that other might reflective reflect. service. <laughs> He's gazing into the eyes of a rat. So I think Rosalie's perspective on all of this stuff with Edward is that she, I think she feels like, one, Edward has, has been irresponsible, of course, and, mm-hmm. and hurtful in his actions towards the family, but also that maybe maybe that the family has been a bit irresponsible, or I don't know if irresponsible is the right word. The family is not acting in a way that she agrees with either, and, like, she feels like Edward does have, the, like, the right to know about Bella. Like, mm-hmm. she really kind of felt like that was the right thing to do, and, like, felt like he just needs to be given tough love, I think, and, and be like, I know you're sad, but you have to come home. <laughs> like, this yeah. isn't working. You know, it's interesting because people talk a lot about how Rosalie's number one wish in this world was to have a child. Mm. And it makes a lot of sense the way that she acts in this section because it is all in defense of preserving her family as it was. Mm -hmm. Because she knows that Edward's absence is shaking the foundation of the family that means a lot to her. I don't think it's usually thought of in in that way. Like, Rosalie, of course, like, her number one wish was, was to have a family in the, like, traditional mm-hmm. heterosexual human way. Sure. But in her adaptation to being a vampire, the Cullen family unit matters to her so much. Mm-hmm. And any disruption to that, like, any, she'll do anything to make sure that that is maintained, mm-hmm. including hating Bella mm-hmm. at first when she thinks that that's a threat to her family unit and the way that it's structured, and then including, like, aligning with Bella when she thinks that that's the best thing mm-hmm. for her family unit, including doing this mm-hmm. because she thinks this is the thing that's going to get Edward home and get everyone else back into equilibrium and make sure that like her family is preserved. Yeah. And including like agreeing to chase Victoria and James and Twilight yep. even though she was upset about Bella. Mm-hmm. You know, she she makes really family oriented decisions like m- I would say more than more than any of the other siblings probably. She's described by others as selfish a lot and I don't think that that is True, I just think most people don't really think about what it could look like to be family-oriented in a non-I-want-to-have-babies kind of way. Mm -hmm. Like, in a non-nuclear, even though they're, like, presenting as a nuclear family, I don't think... It isn't. It's not. And, and, like, I don't think people really think about what that could look like for her motivations. Mm, True. She's wrestling with guilt, too. She's feeling guilty for, like, probably the way the conversation went or -hmm. or whatever, but she, like, brushes it off and is like, nope, I did did the right thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I think that while I don't like these, mm-hmm. I think it did make 
Rosalie my absolute favorite character. Oh, for sure. She could have done less, and that would that would yeah. have been true. Right. Yeah. She gave us more. <laughs> yeah. She of did. a character that we have very little of. Yeah. There's this really interesting narration about Alice. Yes. This I think in this section this was the thing that I was like, wow, I really wasn't sure about this mm-hmm. dynamic. Mm-hmm. She's talking about how she wants things to be the way they were before. Esme and Carlisle and Emmett have been like pretty torn up about things. No mention of Jasper. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's not on her radar no, at all. That's your twin bestie. It's so interesting. She really, and I, it honestly might just be that Jasper is like uninvested in family. He's and, the newest. I mean, Alice is just as new. And very invested in Alice. He's very invested in Alice and less invested in the family, which I think is like how like Edward feels about Bella. Yeah. Too. Eventually. Maybe less so than Jasper. But yeah. He, yeah. W- he would, maybe has more reason to act on that than, than Jasper has most of the time. Mm-hmm. And Jasper doesn't really have the same um, feeling of obligation towards Carlisle and Esme that the others do because Carlisle didn't save Jasper. Alice did. Yeah. And Rosalie's just been with them for so much longer, for like twice as long as Jasper has. Yeah. And, and by yeah. save Jasper, I mean like save him from Maria. He was obviously already a vampire. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What she says is that Alice wasn't like kind of grieving like everyone else mm-hmm. was. She says, Alice had been so sure things would work out in the end and that Edward would be unable to stay away from his little human girlfriend that she had not bothered with mourning. Alice had always functioned in a different world than the rest of us, locked up in her ever-changing reality. Since Edward was the only one who could participate in that reality, I'd thought his absence would be harder on her. But she was secure as always, living ahead, her mind in a time her body hadn't reached yet, always so calm. She'd been frantic enough when she'd seen Bella jump, though. Yes, I was jealous of the way Alice felt about Bella. Would Alice have raced off so rashly, so wild with panic if it had been me she'd seen jumping off a cliff? Did she have to love that commonplace human girl so much more than me? There's very interesting things here. One, if Alice is so sure, Mm -hmm. then why are the other people upset? Yeah, I don't know. I thought about that too. I... They have varying levels of faith in Alice's visions. I think that for Alice, when she sees something, it's basically already happened and she doesn't have to like, for her, it's so visceral and so sometimes so, sometimes so certain that Mm -hmm. she doesn't have to like experience the emotions that come with like time and waiting Mm -hmm. or processing or any of that. But like for the other others, like even if they know something is going to happen, like maybe they feel unsure, but also I think they are maybe more likely to like experience the the reality of the situation, which is that Edward is gone and that he's in a really bad place and that they like fucked up Bill's life (laughs) and they had to leave their home. I guess there's also like a Who's t- who Who knows how long it'll take for Edward to come along? Like, how yeah. long are they realistically facing without him? Mm-hmm. And what will happen in the meantime that could fracture them? And they probably also know that, like, if they do all go back and everything's, quote unquote, back to normal, back to normal is still, like, really dangerous and a high-risk situation. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's also not great. <laughs> I think this this jealousy is, is interesting because, like, I think we're supposed to understand that Rosalie is, like, jealous of Edward's attachment of Bella at first in but some way. again, really her her family's response. It's, yeah, it really is. And um, first of all, I do think that Alice would rush off in an emer- if there was an emergency that Rosalie was in. Yeah, I think that's just some, like, basic... Cullen behavior. Human insecurity that, <laughs> yeah. that Rosalie's feeling. I think so, too. Like, yeah. I think maybe any person who feels, like, anxious in their attachment, <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe anybody who feels, like, unsure 
of themselves and unsure of, like, their relationship to others might mm. look at a situation where someone makes a really bold action towards someone yeah. and think, would they do that for me? Mm-hmm. I think, like, this dynamic between Alice and Rosalie is interesting because it's, like, something that I always want to see more of and mm-hmm. we we just almost never get any anything between them, which I find kind of weird. I mean, not weird, but, like, almost unrealistic <laughs> um, because... I think that they have a lot in common. Like, we've talked before about how it would make sense for Alice and Rosalie to, like, do fashion stuff together. Yeah. (laughs) That is, like, instead of Alice making Bella do that stuff, which, like, it doesn't make... That doesn't make sense. So I think that, like, it is a situation where, like, Rosalie watches Alice treat Bella like a Barbie doll Mm -hmm. or a guinea pig or whatever and is, like, jealous of all the time and attention that's been, like, moved over to to this person that seems really inconsequential to her at first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it must be confusing to her, too, because Alice knows how consequential Bella is. And she, like, like knows right away that they're going to be best friends. Yeah. And so Rosalie has not experienced that at all. Rosalie hasn't hasn't seen that or felt that and doesn't want it to happen. I'm sure that Alice's certainty of Bella is really hurtful, not just, like, not about, like, necessarily her relationship with mm-hmm. Alice, but, like, hurtful to n- to know that, like, it's going to, d- it will disrupt her ideals about family and getting the family together and everything that you were just saying. Yeah. It's interesting that no one could have predicted Renesmee because, <laughs> just thinking about that, how, just like, thinking. if Alice, like, if Alice could have seen Renesmee with no context, what if, <laughs> what if Alice saw Renesmee with Rosalie? Nightmare. Just just Rosalie holding a baby mm. and had no dots to connect. <laughs> I'm just thinking what other, like, wacky stuff Alice sees that makes her act weird. Mm. But yeah, I think your point about, like, whether or not the visions are subjective or, like, how subjective are they versus, like, how can she be so certain in some things? I yeah. mean, that's, like, only partially explained, I think. Like, in the part of Midnight Sun where uh, Alice was, Alice and Edward were kind of puzzling through all of the different kind of timelines and Mm -hmm. leaning on like that moment in the meadow Mm -hmm. like how how certain that the moment that moment existing was i have something cursed to say okay when they picked the date for the wedding Mm -hmm. and thus the honeymoon Mm -hmm. alice probably should have seen renesmee in that decision yeah they were picking a window of ovulation for bella on the honeymoon well they didn't know how long they were going to stay there that's true they just decided when they were going they were they might have stayed for like longer but she got fucked up the first night, right? Mm. They had sex, like, once. They had sex twice. Twice? Because there was the first time, and then there was another time after that. I don't even remember that. Because remember, he's like, he's like, we can't do that again. And uh-huh. then she, like, gets really, really upset. And eventually they, they, do, do, have, they do have sex again. Horrible. And then I think she, Horrible. like, Horrible. it's, like, right after that. I think there's, there is, there must be some sort of explanation about that that I don't remember from Breaking Dawn, like yeah. holes in Alice's vision or Maybe. decisions that weren't made. Maybe Edward went into that completely not intending to have sex with her. <laughs> His mind was Edward made was up. like, I'm going to pull out. And then last second was like, nah, that's the <laughs> He couldn't. He didn't realize. It wasn't a decision. It, it just happened. Not. It was an accident. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was an accident. That's why she couldn't see Renesmee. Oh. Uh, can she, can, yeah, how do accidents function? Yeah, well, we know because... In the visions. We know. Okay. Do Tyler, we? there's still decisions that lead up to accidents. That's true. Because... The split second. The Tyler car crash, they had 15 seconds less, probably. I would say, I think they had like two seconds, but to yeah. To decide. So there yeah. was a second there where Alice maybe could have prevented... <laughs> 
They should have kept Alice. A well-timed phone call. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should have brought her. They should have brought her along. Yeah, she could have busted in right at the last second. Like, no, <laughs> Edward, don't. <laughs> oh, uh, Edward, you're killing her. <laughs> Bella's like, shut up, Alice. Alice, why did we bring you? Anyway, back to Rosie. That was cursed. Yeah, okay. I mean, I just, I was just thinking about it. Um, Rosalie has like this very sincere reflection about missing Edward, actually. Mm -hmm. She says she honest, she honestly missed him. She says, I missed his cutting little remarks, the black wit that was more in harmony with my own dark sense of humor than Emmett's sunny, jokey nature. (laughs) He's in a silly, goofy mood. Yeah. I miss the music, his stereo blasting out his latest indie discovery, LOL. Phoebe Bridgers. (laughs) Can you imagine Edward calling the day he discovers Phoebe Bridgers? (laughs) (laughs) He's buying a coffin and sealing himself in. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Anyway. Missed him humming in the garage yeah. beside me while we tuned the cars. Yeah. The only time we were perfectly in sync. I missed my brother. And then she thinks, surely he would not judge me too harshly when he saw this in my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Even though it would be uncomfortable, it would become normal again. And then she questions whether she is grieving for Bella, mm-hmm. who she thinks is dead. Mm-hmm. And is pleased to find that she did mourn her a little because he, she'd made Edward happy in a way she'd never seen him before, but also made him more miserable than anything else <laughs> in his century of life, and would truly regret her loss. I would miss the peace she'd given him for those yeah. few short months, <laughs> meaning he will never be in peace again, and yeah. it's going to make her life hell. It's almost like she's like, she's like, oh god, I'm not a monster, I do care that this human died, thank god. Yeah. And she can smile at herself, and then it, um, admires her unmatched beauty also i loved this um perhaps i wasn't the easiest person to live with perhaps i was shallow and selfish perhaps i would have been i would have developed a better character if i'd been born with a plain face and a boring body (laughs) 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 stephanie really popping off yeah stephanie said that hot people are are boring and (laughs) yeah Perhaps I would have been happier that way, but that was impossible to prove. I had my beauty. Mm. It was something I could count on. I smiled wider. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I think Stephanie thinks that this is, I don't know what for purpose she finds this like functioning because I read this and love it. And I imagine Stephanie wrote this and was like, she, she is shallow. Mm. Yeah. It's hard to tell. I can't really tell like what she, Yeah. how she meant for us to feel about Rosalie. That's like harder for me to be able to tell. It's sad that Rosalie thinks these things about herself yeah it is she's not difficult to live with she's not shallow she's not selfish Mm -hmm. but clearly someone has told her that she is it's probably edward Mm -hmm. and she loves him unconditionally yeah anyway yeah Um, if i was the most beautiful person in the world i would be pretty happy about that yeah i would enjoy that sure sure yeah yeah sure maybe it would cause some problems you might start the trojan war (sighs) Let's hope not. Wink, wink. <laughs> but like, That'd be a shame. Mm-hmm. So there's another phone call, and it ends up being Alice. We get Rosalie's, like, half of the conversation. Um, it's all on Stephanie Meyer's website if you would like to read it. And Rosalie starts to realize that she did the wrong thing, that she that Bella wasn't dead. She acted too soon. And she even predicts, she says, <laughs> of course Edward's coming home. What, you think he's going to pull a Romeo? Like, some LOL. stupid romantic. And Alice says, yes. That's exactly what I saw. (laughs) Um, So Rosalie doesn't really have a glimpse into how destroyed Edward is and what he's willing to do. Yeah. And so she had no idea that this would happen. I think it's because Rosalie is altogether, she's not nearly as melodramatic 
Mm-hmm. And she's, like, more responsible and family-oriented and, like, can't maybe can't imagine someone making the decisions that Edward is making. Yeah, I think that she would view this, she does view this as, like, a betrayal of their, like, family. Mm-hmm. And even though that she is, as we know, deeply unhappy with parts of her vampire life, she has the option to go to the Volturi. Mm-hmm. Like, if she truly didn't want this, like, she could have done something about it. Mm-hmm. But she didn't because her life is important to her. In some way. Mm-hmm. And Edwards without Bella is not mm. to him. And Alice is, has no sympathy for Rosalie. Zero. Which, here, is, which, I mean, she did fuck up. She, she did fuck fucked up. up, but she even... Alice knows Rosalie's motives because she said them. When did she... She said, I didn't mean it like that, Alice. I just wanted him to come home. And Alice asks why. So she says it multiple times. She says, Edward wouldn't appreciate being lied to. He'd want the truth. He did want it, so I gave it to him. And then says, the sooner he gets over this, the sooner things go back to normal. Why put it off? Time isn't going to change anything. He needs to grieve and get over it. And then says, I just wanted him to come home. And so Alice, like, she has all the information she needs to respond in a way that's like... You didn't mean to make Edward kill himself. (laughs) What's also interesting is, at this point, Alice has been with Bella for two days. And doesn't communicate that she's alive. And doesn't tell that to anyone else in the family. I know that, like, others are out hunting, but... But, like, not for two days, and they're not unreachable. Well, I guess they are. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, somebody's there. You would think that she would have... Tried harder? Like, that same day, called and been like false fucking alarm. Yeah, she let... I'm gonna hang out here for I a few days. Ros- or I think Alice and Rosalie are the same amount of responsible. Yeah. Like, in different ways, Rosalie makes a proactive step towards, like, falling apart. Yeah. But Alice, by omitting this information, like, by not sharing this, like, mm-hmm. puts them in the position where Rosalie could lie to Edward. Yeah. Well, and Rosalie thinks that actually... The family is keeping this information right. from Edward for two days or more because yeah. Alice maybe saw it. I don't know when Alice saw it. Maybe shortly before it happened, but... They didn't seem to have a plan for what to do with Edward either. So it wasn't like Alice, like Rosalie betrayed some sort of plan. They weren't going to go find him necessarily. Like, they didn't have, like, yeah, a plan to go find him and break the news to him in person where they could, like, monitor him. Mm-mm. They, I guess we're just going to wait... Until he it out, agreed to pick not up the knowing phone. if yeah. he had tabs on her in some way, like they give him the complete benefit of the doubt and yeah. say, like, there's no way he could find this information on his own, as if he might not be keeping track of Bella's every move. Mm-hmm. Which, knowing him, he very well he could be. Might have been. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it. I just think that both of them, yeah, share the blame, and and Alice never gets it. Mm-hmm. And uh, mostly, it's Edward's fault. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the root, it's Edward's fault yeah. for and doing this. And it's his decision, too. In the first place, but... and yes, he does decide this, and also, it's framed in this Rosalie's fault way, and nobody ever talks about the other mm-hmm. people that have to do all that. So this extra ends with, the phone call is ended, and Emmett, she sees Emmett coming back, and she, she runs out into the woods and... Screams at him for help. Yeah. I don't really know what they do, <laughs> but... No, because it's... I don't think they do it's anything. It's, like, days later before... It's, like, three... It's, like, a three-day... Well, they no. they run to Forks and they start setting up the house again. Yeah. Because by the time they come back from Italy, they're all moved I in. I would love to read about the, this period from the rest of the family's perspective. It would be absolutely painstaking, I'm sure, to yeah. hear, like, what they're thinking, because they don't have any assurance that he won't do something... Mm. I liked this one the most out of oh, all. Oh yeah, three for of sure, them. easily. And I liked this one the least. Yes. Now for the the oh, worst yeah. for last. Let me read why she wrote this. Yep. It's called Being Jacob Black. Yeah. 
I noticed, this is Stephanie, mm-hmm. I noticed a disturbing trend various places online. People are ascribing the most nefarious motives to Jacob Black. The way I felt so called out. I know. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, she wrote this about me. Insisting that he has some kind of dark agenda. Some of this is due, in my opinion, to a heavy general bias in favor of vampires over werewolves. Who, who does that? Who did that? Who has a general bias of vampires over werewolves? It's That's almost crazy. like she wrote a racist manifesto. Yeah. Huh. But some of it must be my fault. Okay. <laughs> Accountability. Apparently, <laughs> Jacob's intentions are not as clear to the reader as they are to me. No, nope, they're pretty clear. Now, I'm not writing all of New Moon from Jacob's perspective. I'm dizzy at the thought. Me too. That's a threat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I did want to let people look through his eyes for a bit, were they so inclined. It was supposed to be much shorter than this, but you know me. So if you want to know the other, other side of the story, here's your chance to walk a mile in Jacob Black's shoes. And let me tell you, it felt like a thousand miles. It did. I just want to read any little example of this. Mm -hmm. Just, like, the structure of how this is written. Yeah, it's in second person. Yeah. Which means that it's written by Jacob as if we are Jacob. You really hardly ever read something in second person. Very rare. I'm sure that there are ways that it is done in a way that's, like, Mm. not painful to read. Yeah, I think, like, second person can be really interesting and useful if, like... I think, like, what it's supposed to be doing, I think maybe what she's trying to do is, like making us feel like we are him and, like, getting us to empathize with him, which can be a a useful thing in a story. However, it does not work here at all. I'm gonna read the second paragraph. One day, the daughter of your dad's best friend shows up. She's really pretty in that girl-next-door kind of way, but more than that, you're just instantly on the same page with her. Kindred spirits. Bella walks away from all her school friends, seemingly totally interested in everything you say. You're immediately infatuated, but you know that she's out of your league. She's a junior. You're a freshman. Dream on. Still, you think about her a lot. Maybe someday you tell yourself, what in the diary of a wimpy kid? (laughs) The diary of Jacob Black. (laughs) Yeah, so the whole thing is written like that, and it takes place across the entirety of Twilight and New Moon, mostly New Moon, I think. It's a summary of, like, all that's going on, including all the ups and downs of, like, Billy and Charlie being upset at each other mm-hmm. and Billy being upset with Bella and But, again, Jacob almost no, no new information. No, there's little information here. There's some that's interesting to me, like, there's a girl that is really interested in Jacob, but he never thinks of her that way. Mm-hmm. Sam Yuley very early on is a part of the conversations of what to do about the vampires. Bella smells bad to Jacob. There's three tribal elders that know about the wolves Mm -hmm. and that's it. Mm -hmm. So they're keeping up appearances with everyone else. That Sue Clearwater is an RN. And that they don't go to the hospital Mm -hmm. because Dr. Cullen Mm -hmm. is there. Which answers some questions that we, not questions that we had, but well, I guess the question that we had was, why don't these people ever take her to the hospital? <laughs> but they don't give her any medical attention. No. Like, it's not like they bring Sue Clearwater in. They don't in. bring Sue Clearwater in when they really should. Mm-hmm. So there's little bits and pieces, but it's not necessarily in a way that changes anything. Mm-hmm. Overall, it's interesting to go through this because it really doesn't add anything. Like, I, like it's not elucidating at all. There's actually almost nothing for me that I feel like I can comment on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so Stephanie wrote this to get us to like Jacob more for some reason. But she she completely eliminates so many key aspects of like maybe why one might not 
be his biggest fan, Mm -hmm. including all of the boundary violations, all of the like weird, like touchy stuff that he's doing with Bella, all of the like cringy things he's saying to her, all of the ways that he's like being way out of line and like being extremely rude. Like none of that is in here at all. It's just like, I really like Bella and I'm sad about it. And I think honestly, that's a really authentic, like, because it's presented in second person. Yeah. It is really authentic to the way that he probably doesn't realize. He probably doesn't realize it the all. inappropriate ways in which he's acting. No, or does and doesn't pick up on when he like makes her feel uncomfortable or something like that. What we do get here is some information about Sam and Emily's mm-hmm. thing. We get information about Jacob having exceptionally good self control when he becomes a werewolf initially. Yeah, so yeah. when he first turns. There's a passage that says, You're better at managing your episodes than any of them. It took Sam half a year to get to the point you're at inside of two weeks. You're already better at it than Embry, Jared, and Paul. This doesn't make you happier, though. Why would anyone want to be better at being a werewolf? So he's better at controlling himself and not, like, phasing out of anger or, like, strong emotion. Interesting parallel to Bella as a newborn, but totally different situation. And, I mean, the implication, I guess, is that he's better at it because he's, like, was the real alpha the real alpha like and was supposed to be the like leader of this pack <laughs> but you don't yeah you're right you don't get any more information like you don't really have him taking ownership over like how like feeling bad for the way that he treats bella it's just kind of wrapped up in the like justification of like she's aligning with the vampires yeah. who are our natural enemies yeah the things that make me very sympathetic to the werewolves are the like persistent threat of like genocide and he doesn't really grapple with that Mm -mm. he's so focused on bella and like the excuse for me like the only thing that might make me feel a little bit different is if he was like these vampires are a threat to us Mm -hmm. in such a way that like i i don't know it it would almost make more sense for me if he hated Bella and, like, completely cut her out. I feel like that's because the idea of, like, natural enemies Mm -hmm. is that it doesn't have to be questioned. It's just, like, this instinctual thing that they're supposed to feel. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's not as interesting or as well-constructed as, like, social social enemies. Yeah, these people harmed you. Yeah, like, there's there's an actual history here. There's social dynamics. There's power mm-hmm. dynamics. Being aware of that and not just, like, hating each other for no reason, like, we're done with that. Like, we don't yeah. understand. Like, that doesn't add anything to the story. That would be more, for me, that would be, like, a more realistic explanation of why he feels the way he feels that way. Even as he implicitly accepts this, like, rivalry with the vampires, he still, like, distances himself from the level to which Sam specifically, like, Sam seems to have more of the approach of, like, these people are a threat to our way of life. Mm -hmm. And, like, Jacob is like, I have an obligation to my pack because I don't have a choice. And because of that, I think this way. Mm -hmm. He doesn't seem to really believe it, which I think is what allows him to break out of that and align with the vampires while Bella is pregnant. Yeah, Pergananant. I think like <laughs> Pergante. <laughs> I <laughs> I guess I wonder like even if there was like more of like a um acknowledged power dynamic in the story, like maybe they do hate all vampires because of because of what yeah. the implication is for their people, and which feels like a really appropriate but yet underdeveloped and inappropriately utilized mm-hmm. metaphor for actual yeah, genocide yeah, yeah, against yeah. indigenous people, right? It's interesting mm-hmm. how that worked out. but Yeah, something she completely did not intend to write and yeah. would probably be horrified to hear us say. Yeah, but I kind of wish that Jacob would even explore that a little bit mm-hmm. um, at any point 
in the series sure. with with Bella or or whoever and I guess like exploring that specific dynamic that is more interesting than just being like we're natural enemies and that's that so we're not going to get into it at all I don't right. know there's no explanation it just sort of maybe there'll be more in Eclipse as they like for are forced to interact with mm. each other more but we won't really get it from Jacob's perspective will mm-hmm. we there's Jacob's perspective it happens again in Breaking Dawn yep but oh god yeah that's gonna be I was thinking about that today when reading this. I was like, we're going to have to do this for a while. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, like, some (laughs) questions answered here, but they're not the questions that I necessarily, like, wanted answered. I guess some of them are. Like, it is helpful for me to know, and I'm glad that I know, that, like, the only people that know about the werewolves are the wolves themselves and, like, three old men. Yeah. And Sue Clearwater. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess so, like the three old men and their spouses. There's appearances that they have to keep up. It's not something that they like age into the knowledge no matter what, which was a question I had. I think, like, my one of my major issues with this not that it matters, it's not that any of this matters at all, but like, (laughs) I guess that's to say that, like, the reason I don't find this to be in like that intriguing or effective Mm -hmm. as a extra to the book is that it's like pretty much is entirely about Bella. Yeah. Like, it's completely centered around Jacob thinking about Bella with, like, a couple other little plot points alluded to here and there. But, like, mm-hmm. the reality is is that Jacob has his own life. And, like, the the months, and, like, in this story, and, of course, like, why would, why would she spend a lot of time telling us, like, something outside of the realm of New Moon? She would not do that. It doesn't make any sense. But, like, there's many, many months of Twilight and New Moon where Jacob is not with Bella at all, and he's doing a lot of other stuff. And he has, like, his own emotional journey of being a wolf, which is, like, pretty glossed over. Yeah. Um, there's, like, only a couple paragraphs dedicated to it here. And it's not really anything that he doesn't share with Bella in New Moon. No, I yeah. don't know. It's just very centered around her in a way that feels reductive of Jacob. And also, it, it makes it hard for me to, like, empathize more with him and I think in the way that she intended because it's like you're not developing him any further no, than like he's not. already been developed and like yeah. I think that's kind of the like the danger of expanding upon a character who's not the main character in mm-hmm. a story and like treating them as if they are mm-hmm. um or like having expectations for them to be a main character like they're always in relation to what the main character yeah like whatever but that's too bad too because it's interesting when a minor character does become a major character. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's also interesting when there are multiple main characters and, like, none of them are more important than the other ones. Um, right, like in and, like, um, Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones, yeah, that style's like, great. Yeah, when you discover that someone who's been, like, there all along has their own wants and needs that may exist completely separate from the main plot of, like, other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm, but still tied together in mm-hmm. a meaningful way. Um, like Love Actually like love actually Twilight should be more like love actually yeah and i've always said that <laughs> <laughs> so let's i'm just gonna scroll through this more to see what else happened. Know, i'm trying to see if there's anything else worth mentioning there was something at the very end that was really significant for me mm-hmm. not really just personally i it felt sure. really significant let's just go there actually so towards the end is when alice comes back one i find it interesting he's like surprised that Alice is, like, kind of Mm -hmm. (laughs) human-like. It's uh, probably his first time interacting with a vampire other than, like, Laurent and chasing Victoria. Mm -hmm. Like, talking to one in a quote-unquote civilized way um, Mm -hmm. since being a werewolf. We get Jacob's perspective on the phone call that he has with Mm -hmm. Edward pretending Mm -hmm. to be Carlisle, and he notes that the voice on the other end of the line has a soft English accent. Oh my god, I didn't even... Sam and I talked about this before we did 
before we recorded, I was skimming this because it was painful. Yeah. To read. Yeah. I did not pick up on that. There is an implication that Carlisle has a soft English accent, which Bella has never commented on before. No, but Edward... No, no thoughts in Bella's little brain. No. Maybe she can't tell. <laughs> she can't tell. She didn't know. She doesn't really know. Which is interesting because, like, she loves England. Right. Right? Doesn't she? Or, like, she, like, yeah, loves, like, Jane she loves Jane Austen. She's she loves Jane Austen. She's fascinated by Carlisle. <laughs> Why doesn't she say it? But Edward is yeah. doing a Carlisle accent and inflects in, in his voice in such a way that it comes off as a soft English accent. So, what if I, Edward's really bad at, at impressions and he just picks up the phone and hello, he's, hello, mate, can I speak to Charlie? And just absolutely fucks it up. And uh, Jacob's like, yeah, that was a slight English accent, I guess. <laughs> Some people are just bad at impressions. Yeah. Not Edward. He's a sneaky little liar. There's just nothing. No, I'm not fascinated by this. I would would be absolutely thrilled to read an email or message or whatever from someone who is Team Jacob and wants to comment on this piece. Or if you just, even if you just like, like him a bit more than we do. Yeah. If you have love for Jacob in your heart, which of course I do. Actually, Team Jacob is too far. Don't, don't write it if you're Team Jacob. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm becoming more tolerant in my old age, and I'd be happy to hear from someone from Team Jacob. So you can just DM me on Instagram. No, yeah, I, I, um, it would be valuable to hear um, another perspective. Yeah, on this. like if some, like somebody who's interested in the way that Jacob's brain processes things and wants to comment on this and let us know if they what they thought was interesting or like mm-hmm. if they thought this was interesting, if it meshes with their conception of Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, departs from it, that'd be interesting, and we'd love to hear from you. And, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, if you have any other thoughts, anyone? Let us know if there are more, um, outtakes or extras that we somehow missed. We know there are Twilight ones. We can do th- those eventually. But before we move on to season five, let us know if there's any more content. Mm-hmm. Oh, quick little Forks cast. It's raining. It's 45. Wow. It's raining. Predictable. Um, they had some landslides recently. In oh, the I saw some Olympic evacuation area. notices. Yeah, look at this picture. They're gonna they're gonna start fixing it. That's the news story. But look at this landslide. Oh my it's god! Like really fucking intense. Like literally across the highway into the water. Oh boy, I think that whole coastal area is um, native land. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it really makes you think about move to higher ground. Yeah, and the necessity donating. of donating to it. The move to higher ground donation is is through. PayPal, or you, you can also do it with a credit card, but with PayPal, you can make it a monthly donation. Oh, cool. I'm so you can do that. Yeah, I think I'm going to as well. Well, we should sign off. We'll see you in season five, unless we forgot something else that we want to do as a bonus episode, but probably sure. not. Probably not. <laughs> um, no more Jacob POVs. No more Jacob God. POVs. If there's one out there, we're just not going to read it. That includes the middle of Breaking Dawn. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was thinking today about how I wanted to strategically maybe like read more at a time. Yeah, for that section. <laughs> yeah, painful faster. in the moment, but quicker. Yeah. So we'll see you soon. That's all for us. Thank you for listening to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. Seasons 1, 2, and 3 are now streaming anywhere podcasts can be found. To stay updated about the podcast, follow us on Instagram at, at @genderforking. For more Twilight content from us, follow us at bowlingsharebellas.tumblr.com.
With questions, comments, and any other inquiries, please email us at bowlingshirtbellas at gmail.com. If you like what you hear and want to support the upkeep and production of our podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash genderforking. The music you are hearing is from O. Lucifer.